0: Uh, but you yeah. are very much four square in the middle of modern football. You are the um, William Boot of modern football. I don't know what literary comparison you draw. <laughs> you went to Cambridge. Oh my-
1: I don't know. Uh, so, what, what do you mean by that? That, that, um, that my coming of age in football coincided with the advent of modern football. Yes. Is that what you mean? Is that what yes. you're getting? At? Yeah, I think that's, I think that's right. I mean, the generation of players who I uh, became very accustomed to dealing with um, via their intermediaries, obviously very seldom directly, were the golden generation. You know, they they, they literally were. The the, the the I started off in the sport at the same time that your Lampards and your Ferdinands and your Coles were breaking through and your Gerrards and your Carragers um, and your Beckhams. And then, you know, routinely pulling up short on the biggest stage of all and actually being quite a disappointing golden generation ultimately. But but there, the way they were marketed and the way they set about marketing themselves um, coincided with the sudden hyperinflation of the game, didn't it? It moved through the gears. Um, And I think the real, the moment that the match was thrown onto the kindling wood and the whole thing caught fire was probably the Manchester United treble of 1999. And I mean that not just because of David Beckham and, you know, uh, his presence in that team, but also rather more tellingly, perhaps, the fact that the following year, um the following season, Manchester United really, really ripped up the rule book by not taking part in the FA Cup as the defending champions because they went off to play some nonsense tournament that FIFA had dreamt, dreamt up instead. And I think that was a really, really important turning point in the way that the game has gone. Yeah. You know, and it was, it was the first flickerings of what we're now seeing and what I'm sure we're going to see again um, when the European super clubs deter- uh, seem determined to rip themselves away from the rest of the game.
0: Jonathan Wilson has written this amazing article in The Guardian. And you actually... I think Wilson is... Um, in, in the subtext of what you call, uh, I think I've actually got the page here. Um, is it the Guardian? It's something about the Guardian and bringing in middle class people. I sent a message to Johnny Lou saying, was it you who invented the term big football? Um, because it's absolutely <laughs> right. And Johnny Lou is quoted uh, on the back of this book. Um, yes. But yes, jo- Jonathan Wilson wrote this piece saying the Super League is here by stealth uh, and also pertinent to the treble Dicko, Matt Dickinson, the guy who brought Glenn Hoddle's England career as manager to a close, is writing a book about the treble. I don't know if he's asked you for a quote.
1: He hasn't, which I'm deeply mortally offended by. That's fine. Yeah, he's probably. Yeah. I bet he's yeah. asked
0: Winter because they they sit across from each other at work. Um, but <laughs> given that given that we were talking about Joe Cole, my friend Paul Tucker, um, yeah, oh, we have heard a lot about Paul Tucker. Who will be? He's a very he's a he's a big man. He's got a very big job, uh, but he is. Right. He's a Watford fan like me, and um, I think he he knows that football is a lot different. Aren't
1: you supposed to say... If you support a club like Watford, aren't, when you say that you support them, and you, I'm a Watford fan, aren't you instantly supposed to say contractually for my for sins. my sins? Isn't Very they, that's good. That's what you have to say. Absolutely. So you've you've I'm read, read football. I'm a Watford Cleanser. fan for my sins. anyway. Carry on. i fill filling the gaps that you. No, can but, say. The,
0: but the thing is, like like you, I really I didn't support Watford till I was 24 because we went to Spurs because Dad said the football was terrible. This is I've talked about this before. Grandpa was from Man United, Mum was from Hull, so I had four football yeah. teams. Whenever they played yeah, each other, well football was the winner.
1: That's okay. That's you and Phil Collins. Mm. I, I went to I went to Switzerland once years ago with Rodney Marsh
0: <laughs> to spend yes.
1: a couple of days with Phil Collins.
0: <laughs> yes, <laughs>
1: and and I came away from those. Don't ask why. It was weird, and it never got broadcast anyway. But um, but he was quite a nice guy, and I, I watched a Champions League game on the couch drinking his beer. But um, but at the end of the two days flying back, I still had no idea which London club he supported, even though all we talked about was football for two days.
0: Mm, only... um,
1: because he slipped, he slipped kind of between Chelsea and Spurs and QPR in a completely rule-breaking way, and I'm still not sure who he claims to support.
0: Gosh. Um, mm-hmm. No, I, I know he went to Charterhouse. He went to a very good school, so I think they, he was probably more a rugby fan.
1: Well, that's maybe
0: the case. <laughs> to to <laughs> be, be, be brutally guess. classist. But, um, no, Paul asks, why is punditry better in cycling, and what could football pundits such as Joe Cole learn from watching you, David and Chris?
1: Well, that is a bit of a puzzle, actually, because... My initial reaction is um, that cycling is on the one hand looks very straightforward but is actually riddled with complexities, often to the extent that the people taking part in the event don 't even understand it, um, let alone the observers um, and, I th- and so my instinctive reaction would be there 's a lot more to say about cycling you know and a lot a lot more of it is hidden and needs kind of mining and bringing to the light but i don 't think that's true because I do remember when I you know used to go to a uh, on the road with ITV to Champions League away matches, and there was a period of time where I can't quite remember which iteration of ITV's coverage that it was, but I used to be sitting during the match pitch side with Robbie Earle when he was part of our team. And Robbie was absolutely fascinating, just without a microphone on, but just talking to me throughout a match about what was going on with the you know all those really technical aspects of football that unless you played the game, you literally can 't understand like full backs positioning you know zonal marking these things. Robbie was fascinating about that, and i used to I used to say robbie when when you do your little half time bit, tell them that, tell them exactly what you 've told me, and he goes, yeah no, I will, i will and then the red light to go on and all the complexity and the nuance and the subtlety and the passion with which Robbie spoke somehow evaporated and bless him. He's kind of fell back into some very erudite and very well expressed, but rather platitudinous cliches in the end, because I think there's something that scares football people away from wanting to appear as interesting and as detailed as they actually are. And I think it's it's part of the prevailing culture. They don't want to appear like a smartass.
0: Now, that's very interesting because I listened to Football Book Club and I've had the two chaps who present that show. Do you know Football Book Club? You won't know Football Book Club. Um no. they, they were talking about Neil Razor Ruddock and Kevin Day was on, whom you will know.
1: I do remember Kevin Day, Yes. yes.
0: Um, and Kevin was saying, yeah, Neil would be brilliant at being incisive, much like Robbie Earl. And then his public persona was literally getting his clothes off for money. And you'll have to listen to Football Book Club to find out more. But yeah, I do yeah. wish that the your old employer, Sky, whom you uh, say had... What was it? You were terrified by the sheer competence of the people, always younger than you, working at Sky Sports. But... Nowadays, it seems like, A, a punditocracy, and B, they're actually getting viral clips and subscription numbers from these pundits. It's not about the game anymore. To quote your friend, Mr Southgate, I love the game, I hate the industry. And that is an yeah. official Watford accent, because he does have one.
1: Does he? He come from Watford originally. I didn't know He that. spent
0: time um, here, because his grandma lived uh, here, but I think he lived in, like, Northampton
1: right okay Um, yeah it has changed a lot hasn't it the punditry game Um, the Carragher and Neville sort of phenomenon Roy Keane plays the game exceptionally well doesn't he Um, I don't think it's a bad thing I don't think it's a bad thing. So long as there's some grain of truth in what they're saying, you know, I mean, it's a very necessary thing for the broadcasters because I was always plagued by this sense that everything that I contributed to in, a, in, a, in the coverage of a match was of complete irrelevance to the man in the pub. Because, <laughs> to be honest, you just tune in for the kickoff and, you you know, even then your attention's half on the game and half not. And then as soon as the is over, you switch your telly off, don't you? So all the bits that we used to agonise over, the, the features and the montages and the interviews and the analysis, by and large fell by the wayside but if you want to keep the viewers there there are very few reasons to hang on after the end of the, um, the match perhaps you want to hear the the, the manager but actually to, you sometimes now you do want to hear what Roy Keane is going to say don't you, if Manchester United are about to get crucified, it's, mm. it is entertainment after all, I don't think we need to be too po-faced about it
0: no, what, what I love about Roy Keane, also two books, Roddy Doyle, Eamon Dunphy collaborating with him. Mister, I don't, don't want to be a pundit. Yeah. I don't want to be a kind of clown on TV. That's what yeah. he's getting the money for. He's getting Absolutely. the money for it. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But that is, he's got kids, he's got family, he's yeah. got stuff to pay for. What do you think he would have made of Klaus Ottens?
1: Uh, Ori oddy, oddy, I don't think he'd have been... Uh, well, that's a good point. So Klaus Ottens was um, an inept centre-forward. One of the very few that chelsea didn 't sign in those years yes. um, very good. Uh, but uh, he was he played for saint pauli he was blonde and came from good farming stock in north Germany and playing for St Pauli was the absolute zenith of his career, um, and he used to nod in the odd goal, but i can 't remember quite how he did it. I think I described him in the book as i think i 've said not so much. Playing off the shoulder of the last defender, as simply sort of like running through them mm-hmm. when it when the ball came flying over his head and he just sort of trammelled directly towards the goal. Um, Reuking would have probably admired his fighting spirit, I would imagine, because he was a trier, blessed Klaus Ottens, but he was blessed with um, very little talent.
0: Yes. As <laughs> if not. Club not Actually, no so little talent, very little talent. And I'm, I hope video footage exists of him, because if you mention a footballer like that, instantly yeah. my antennae go up. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. Th- that is the kind of football that I know very little about. I'm very pleased that there are these, this slew of books about the 90s, because I was a bit young. My yeah. first World Cup was 98, between about 98 and 2006... It was football, football, football. Then I went to university in Edinburgh, and it was like watching football in a foreign country. And I actually took a few years off of top-level football. What I will hope to do in the next year is come down to Peckham Town. Yes, because yeah. it's not too. I'm in Watford, do that. and I will. Will yeah. you be there? Will you have a season ticket?
1: Um, well, I might be sponsoring the match. I sponsored a match the other day. I saw that. By because, Peckham Town, and and you were sponsoring yes.
0: for this book: Square Peg, Round Ball, Football, TV, and me
1: they were the, the book was the sponsor it wasn't so much me as the book sponsored yeah. it. yeah it cost, cost me 100 quid and, but i was the match day sponsor um and uh nothing made me proud of no it's, it's a i so stepping away from the game and not being involved in any more uh, you know professionally has enabled me to look at it again with that dis- requisite distance that allows you to quite enjoy it actually i mean yes i don't know who any of the premier league players are and frankly couldn't give two hoots um but you know i'd certainly have an eye on what england are doing every couple of years when they seem to be getting closer and closer to actually winning something um and then just recently i've been introduced to 11th division football in the shape of peckham town and i I went i went down the first time i went down there i was talking to the club secretary and they only get a couple of hundred people watching their matches on a saturday afternoon i said i looked at the league table printed in the program and i said oh you're top top of the division how many teams go up? And he said, mm, "That's a complicated question." And I went, "What do you mean it's a complicated question?" And surely it has an answer. It says, "Well, normally no teams go up." And he, I said, "Why?" He said, "Because if you go up to the net to the tenth tier, you have to have one floodlights and two organised training sessions." And he said, "None of the lads want that." <laughs> <Forget> yeah. <it." laughs> they if you want to turn up on a Saturday afternoon and play. If...
0: If you read John Newby's book called "Addicted to Football," and I spoke to John, who won the FA Youth Cup with Liverpool alongside yeah. Mr. Gerard. Yeah. a huge amount of time for Gerard. Um he was at Colwyn Bay with with uh, Dave Challoner, and
1: oh yeah, we're here the long throw, oh, of Tranmere Rovers fame.
0: and amazingly, uh, Challoner's teams do have long throw specialists. Certainly at Colwyn Bay, I'm not sure about Hartlepool. And in fact, that's Brilliant. the link between um, the man who told you to respect the game but mock its pomposity, the man who, like Alex Ferguson and Eminem, uh, has unretired, um, which is quite the, the correct thing. Uh, Jeff Stelling, the Eminem of football coverage.
1: Yes, that's lovely. I like that. Yeah. Did,
0: did you did you have any say in this, or do you reckon it was Mrs. Stelling saying you're not staying at home for another year on Saturday? You'll be a nightmare.
1: <laughs> I do know that. Um... Jeff was highly, quite rightly, highly prized by ITV years ago and very, very nearly signed uh, left Sky and went to host ITV's um, coverage, I think, of the 20... Either 2006 or... I think it was 2006 World Cup. Um, They made a big play to get him away from Sky and he very, very nearly left. It was around about the time where he started kind of He'd become a bit of a cult hero at Sky, but you know their viewing figures are pretty modest despite the status of the show, um, and this would have propelled him into complete, you know, household fame. Um, but he went back to Sky, and they said, "Well, what have ITV offered you?" And they offered him twice as much. So you know, understandably, he st- he stayed, and he's continued to he's lost without it isn't it he's it's his it's his absolute métier and i remember on the occasions when jeff couldn't do the show this is going back 20 25 years the the poor people who were you know told yeah. to go and stand in for him would live in absolute terror of of that show of oh, how difficult sure. it is yeah. but jeff does it with such ease you know but for days before saturday comes around you know from wednesday onwards he'll be sitting in that production office and this is back in the days pre-internet, really. He just had reams and reams of newspapers and would be writing copious notes and committing them to memory. So his research is genuine and his knowledge That's is right. genuine.
0: That's what he writes cr- in yeah. his, his book, Jellyman's Throne a Wobbly. He writes about, I've never forgotten this, he goes to service stations and just crams it all in, much like you probably yeah. did on a Sunday essay crisis in halls yes. <laughs> at Cambridge. And what I love about the um, the early stages of this book, because you've got all your anecdotes about the World Cup final in 2006, the TV Libero uh, in the South Africa World Cup, Um, and just life life with your your eyes in the room. Um, But the biggest recollections for me seem to be the ones with Giles and Cy, uh, who came up (laughs) against one another in 1988. Uh, Will they manage to meet each other for the 35th anniversary next year of Crazy Gang Culture Club?
1: No, 35 years. Sorry. Good grief. Um, wouldn't that be great? I have no idea what size it is. So I was this um, proper scouser and he was a passionate Liverpool fan. I mean, Liverpool fans are a peculiarly passionate lot. I, I know that every fan base and fan club it has it has its peculiarly passionate members but the, the levels of passion in Liverpool are kind of on another scale I sometimes think and I'd never met anyone I know, until I went there I'd never met anyone from Liverpool full stop and then I met Sai, who was this Liverpool fan who was just insanely he was a few years older than me at, at university and I, I'd never seen someone suffer the agonies of being a fan before or since actually quite like sided, did and then his Wimbledon um, and they met in the FA Cup final that year, at the end of my first year, and they came up against Wimbledon and were obviously beaten by Laurie, the, the very gifted Klaus Ottens of that, that Indeed, Liverpool team, yes. Laurie Sanchez. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, one of my closest friends, that continues to be one of my closest friends, Giles. He was a, he's a long-haired Etonian from Wimbledon <laughs> who'd latched onto Wimbledon, but supported with equal passion, just a different attitude towards it. Um, his club, and it was quite, watching from the outside, it was quite amazing to see this kind of culture clash of these two very different individuals, and uh, how it all played out on that amazing day in May 1988, 35 years ago nearly, mm-hmm. as you say, when uh, Princess Diana had the great honour of being introduced to Dennis To Dennis,
0: <laughs> to <White>. Dennis the <laughs> football's, the game has gone since then. It really, it's changed. It's, a, it's the same game. I used to go to Spurs in 2000. There was a guy called Goran uh who's no longer with us. But I used to call those years the Bunjevshevich years because Spurs would get to cup finals and sometimes win. I can't
1: remember him. I can't remember him. Played with What's Ledy King. About?
0: Played alongside I Ledley remember. and Dean Richards in about 2000. And uh,
1: do you remember? Do you remember Gary Docherty yes, signing for Spurs? I do. Yes. So he, he was a bit of a class officer, wasn't he? He was a lovely fella, but you kind of looked at him and thought, "What? What are you doing at Spurs?" Was that when? Was that when David Pleat was in charge?
0: Uh, yes, he was signed from Luton. There
1: you go. Yeah, the old Luton connection. And David Pleat yeah. has
0: a book coming out this year, written with Tim Rich, whom you will know. Yes.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know David as well, very well. We worked together. Course. I love David Pleet. He's um, no, he is someone. He is a pump. He's a hugely underrated pundit, David Pleat. and he is someone who will give you detail and nuance on the game that you didn't know yeah. anything about. I think he's a. I think he's a, a a much missed voice. I wish there was more Pleat on the on the telly.
0: And, and we we know why there isn't, and it's the same reason, arguably. And I read Clive Tildsley's book, which is a joy. Clive's book is it is fantastic. Yeah. I can't remember if you're in it, but...
1: I'm no, I'm, uh, Clive didn't know who I was. Oh, I... really? <laughs> no, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> but, uh, but the thing is, I'm kind of... I am and I'm not, because ITV always had two teams, you know, an A team and a B team. Yeah. And um, Clive and Gabriel Clark, you know, continues to do an absolutely brilliant job on the A team. Well, they only have an A team now because they only have one match to show. Um, and and Pete, the likes of Peter Drury and Jim Beglin and myself were the b team. so we 'd be on the on the digital channel uh, while while Manchester United invariably <laughs> would be parading their wares on the um, on the main network on a Wednesday evening
0: it really was it was I used to watch it all the time in that era if it was an arsenal, it was man U and well, so here's the please. thing
1: Here's the thing that was explained to me actually that, um, and I don't know if this is still the case But it certainly was 10-15 you know, years ago but, but ITV as a channel Never mind the football coverage ITV's core audience is in the north of England mm. So for, for example um, The local news In uh, Manchester What's it called? Granada And, and um, is it called Calendar In Yorkshire? Or
0: yeah, 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 yeah Calendar, Richard Wiley so, yeah. so
1: these are, there you go, so these are these are much-loved and well-watched programs that have established characters and everyone knows who they are and all this sort of thing. And the London equivalent of that, well, I mean, I'm sorry, I don't even know what it's called. I don't think I've watched it in my life. So, so that, um, that is true. And that principle transfers across into football coverage. So if they put, um, routinely, if they put an Arsenal match or a Chelsea match on the main network back in the day, and relegated either Liverpool or Manchester United to the digital channel, they would get an absolute kicking in the ratings. It doesn't matter how glamorous Chelsea are with the, the, the Roman Abramovich money, etc., or how beautiful Arsenal were to watch. That wasn't the point. The, the the sort of tribal nature of the big northwest clubs meant that they had to be on the um, the main network because I would get a far 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 bigger audience if they were on there
0: and it's it's nothing to do with the man who has also visited the football library to drop off his books the mm-hmm. great Brian Barwick allegedly anti-Man United but that is complete tripe
1: uh, well uh, well he was a scouser wasn't he, he was a very sc- the second guy, scouser Brian. you ever met. Yeah, second scouser I ever met. The moustachioed Brian Barwick, who, yeah, who's, um, he was a good, well, I hope you enjoyed speaking to him. Did he was you? great.
0: He was fantastic. Yeah. Really warm, very yeah. generous and very knowledgeable.
1: Yeah. And went on to become, become the um, FA chairman. Was it, was it the chairman or the chief exec? I can't remember. Uh, chairman, I, I like to think. He, maybe I'm wrong. He appointed, maybe he was the chief exec, actually. He appointed Fabio Capello, which yeah. I think. It's probably not something you'd want to put on
0: Well, no, no, I asked him what he would think about Sam Allardyce. He said, nothing to do with me, next question, which is entirely within his rights. <laughs> but um, we had enough to talk about, about Liverpool. Jim Ratcliffe, why does he want the stress of football when he only attaches himself to winners like the All Blacks and Team Sky Ineos? Why is he involved in Nice? What's the game for him?
1: Yeah, that's a very good question. I mean, he's based in Monaco. Nice is just up the road. I don't know if that's got something to do with it. Maybe buying Monaco itself is, is was outside of you know was was impossible. I, that could have something to do with it. You know, mm-hmm. Sir Jim Ratcliffe sir,
0: donated yes, to the,
1: the 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 vote Leave cause and um, and then promptly left
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and became a Monaco tax resident. I don't know I mean uh, you know I don't know Jim Ratcliffe I've never met him but these guys think that whatever they can get look we speak on the day after Elon Musk has just bought Twitter for unfathomable reasons all of his own they think uh, when they get to that kind of point in their life that anything they do they can manipulate to their own purposes and um, turn into a stunning success whatever that is why which which club is he going to buy now then is More. it just Nice or has he been linked with another club? I
0: always thought that he was going to buy Chelsea, but maybe he you had know, an investigation yeah. of it and he's pulled out.
1: Well, it would be fine pans and fires, wouldn't it? Mm. If, uh, you're right. I mean, Chelsea will, Chelsea will end up with a billionaire owner of some description, won't they? Because that's, that's the way things go. Mm.
0: Oh, God, I've, I've realised that... Um, we're going to get back to cycling to finish. Yeah, the, the book, Square Peg, Round Ball, Football, TV and Me. Um, not How You Won the Yellow Card. But it's that kind of thing. Um, I I guess you went through loads of titles, but um, this one is brilliant. It's got Cyril the Swan on it for reasons that you told Adrian Childs, but um, they're in the book. September 12th, 2001 is the clue, but we have no time to get into it here. I'm sure you're doing a lot of press and PR for this book.
1: A uh, fair amount, yeah, a fair amount. So, but I've um, I've enjoyed this one a great deal. Actually, no, you didn't um, need
0: to say that, but I will pay it's you for nice, that. Yeah. It's
1: very nice. No, it's been uh, it's been it's been, a, it's been a lot of fun. Thank uh, you
0: very much. I w- I would like to uh, take that money and spend it on the. Is it re- Retour? It is return, re- Retour, isn't it? The Retour, the, the
1: Retour, Retour, the Retour de Ned. After a few years covid enforced absence. This autumn, I've got 25 dates talking about, doing my one-man show, talking about all things Tour de France related, really. And I haven't written any jokes at all yet. And I'm slightly stressed by that. But I've got a few months left before That's right, we you've start
0: got, touring. Well, you can make some Danish jokes. They're quite funny um, in their Danish way. jokes
1: can be quite amusing. They can be funny.
0: And then read out some of the Velasaurus, Take some to sign yeah. at, the, at yeah. the front door. Um, well, thanks for all, thanks for all your advice. I'll um, take that. I'll take that on board. There, there is something I want your advice on in a sec, but I just want to yeah. ask about this kid Pogasar. Who seems to be from what I'm reading on basically oh, gotcha. yeah. my my um, cycling knowledge comes from David Walsh, whose book Seven Deadly Sins is up there with Heart of Darkness. It's the same kind yeah. of thing, actually. Same very kind of similar. under very the similar skin combined. investigation, yeah. pursuit yeah. of yeah, uh, an yeah. yeah. David Walsh is fantastic and he is he turned me against cycling very early on because yeah. it's love well, love the back. sport love the sport, hate the industry. But mm. um, that there seems to be a good young crop of clean racers?
1: Well, I'd, listen, it's cycling, so I'm hesitating to mm. you know, give them all the car blanche because I've, I've actually got no idea. But I would, say, I would say that in the time I've been involved in, in the Tour de France and cycling in general, um, it's gone through a complete 180-degree paradigm shift. You know, it used to be, when I started off in the height of the Armstrong years, it used to be that clean riders on any team were the unprofessional ones. Literally, Mm. Um, you weren't fulfilling your professional duties if you opted not to dope. Um, And the exact opposite of that is the case now. Um, you know, those who do still take the risk, and I think they probably are some, I think there's a very small number, um, they are the ones who are risking the livelihood of everybody else on the team. So that's a significant change. And in, in this guy, I have to correct your pronunciation slightly Tade Pogacza, uh, okay. the, young, the young Slovenian. He is, he is 23 years of age. He's won two Tours de France already, the first at the age of 21. He is, and he's picked up another number of other significant races as well. Mm. He, if you know you're cycling at all, um then this will mean something he is on a trajectory which if he continues it for the next five six years will even possibly draw level or eclipse what eddie merx did in the 1970s which is um, almost unimaginable so watch this kid in action this summer
0: thank you i am an eddie merx fan for my sins
1: can you spell merx uh
0: he's a famous belgian Um, uh m-e-r-c-k-x
1: Yes, very good. Not many people can do that as fluently as you did. In fact, Mm. I suspect even Eddie has to stop and think about
0: it. Well, it's very easy to remember because it's just Merck. Uh, My my old history teacher, the late Jeffrey Brown, used to say Pfizer, P-F-I-Z-E-R, and Merck, M-E-R-C-K, and he would always spell out Merck because he he obviously hated seeing it written down wrong, but it's Merck, uh, pharmaceuticals, ironically. And then stick an X on the end. Stick a kiss on it. A couple more questions. What do you make of Ben Foster, the cycling GK?
1: I was in the same room as him... uh, Day before yesterday, and our paths um, almost crossed. Oh. Um, but I think he's a, he's a lovely guy, and he, uh, he was at a cycling show talking about his love for cycling. Yeah. Um, and he did it, I think, the day after. They got, your team got absolutely spanked by Man City. Yeah, he, so he like...
0: doesn't care. The great thing about Ben Foster is he has said, when the full-time whistle goes, I stop caring about work, and I look at there you go. everything else. And that is the right way to live. Much like Gareth Southgate it. said, it's great to mix with people who have other things in their lives.
1: That's that's good to hear from Ben Foster. He's a yeah, he's a hugely keen. And it's not it's really important that people outside outside the conventional cycling bubble, um, you know, proselytise about it and say this is a great sport. Not only a great sport, it's a great way of life and everything. Because yeah. we do get pigeonholed slightly as a as a bunch of raving lycra louts.
0: Have you had him on the Never Strays Far pod?
1: No, but I am I am uh, hoping to do something else with him in the very near future. So Ooh. can I just leave it at
0: that? Very yeah. good. Um, ben, one of a uh, big teenage fan base for Ben Foster, which is not what I would have thought when he came through at Man U twenty years ago. Um, <laughs> there is an audio book that you have read of Square Peg, Round Ball, Football, TV, and Me, sixteen ninety nine on Bloomsbury. It's a magnificent memoir of a guy who used to like football and doesn't anymore. But whenever someone plays football, especially at Peckham Town, you love it. I am going yeah. to be reading the audiobook of my book From Kids to Champions, The History of the Youth Cup. Can I yes. have some advice?
1: Have you ever read an audio book before? No, you haven't, because it's your first book. First book. Is it your first book? Yep. Yeah. Um, OK, you're not going to enjoy the experience because nothing prepares you uh, for he- hearing your own words back, like reading them out loud. I mean, I-, I would advise you. Have you submitted your final draft yet?
0: It comes out in a, in, on May 16th.
1: So you've definitely submitted your final draft. Yep. One 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 thing that we all should do before we submit oh, our I've final I've already draft spotted one.
0: Actually, I've already seen is one. Actually,
1: is actually read it out loud. It's not just the mistakes, it's the whole clunkiness of how you write. And I'm sure you write beautifully well. Um, but w- there's nothing more dispiriting and revealing than reading your own words out loud. Good luck. I hope you enjoy it.
0: Oh, I will. Um, it, I did read it off the page as I was reading through one of the drafts. And if I didn't like the sound of the word, because that's... That's what I've picked up from reading all these football books is that I can tell when someone is not a gifted writer and when, like Clive Tilsley... Clive Tilsley, by the way, writes exactly like he talks. Always has, always will. It is just the most... <laughs> I, I, I finished the book and went, I should have read the audiobook. There should actually be a disclaimer at the top. Instead of him saying, what you see is what you get, it should be, get the audiobook, don't read this book. It's a waste of... Um, the other great <laughs> book is Pat Nevin's book, Someone with a Hinterland and Talking Very of Pundits... Pat Nevin, very I bet, good. could do a cycling commentary if he could.
1: Pat, absolutely, yeah. I think that's a very good point. Yeah, yeah. a legend. Uh,
0: the a legend. Tour de France kicks off, uh, as it as cycling races do in Denmark on July The 1st. Ned, you will be following the race around again. So when do you go out to Denmark? Uh, shortly
1: before that, on the, yep. the, week, with the week leading up to that, whenever that is, end of June. And
0: yep. then, do you have a ritual um, in Paris at the end, for the final, after the final leg?
1: yeah they 've slightly ruined it, so the sort aros of a leg a leg is something leg. that you have in the league in the league cup um, uh, it 's a stage, stage. And the final has, stage the final stage used to come to an end at around about five o 'clock in the evening in Paris, And so once you put the show to bed and everything you 'd have time to Well, you 've been on a journey together you 'd have time to have a lovely dinner in Paris, um, but nowadays they want to, to make it look beautiful, they coincide it with the sunset. And wow. so we don't finish work until eleven o'clock at night, so they've slightly ruined that. So we all just go our separate ways and then the following morning we're on the Eurostar home. So it all peters
0: out rather. Magnifique. Yes, it all peters out rather is um what, what you, you do. Just like the library! Shh! <laughs>